Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Today's guest is fellow podcaster and best-selling author Emma Gannon, whose real-life experiences have led her to become somewhat of an expert on something many of you might recognize, the art and science of self-sabotage. So first things first, what makes you uniquely positioned to talk to our listeners about self-sabotage? Well, that's a really good question because it was a bit of an organic topic that I've fallen into. But essentially, I couldn't stop talking about it with my friends and with my book agent. And everyone was like, you just need to write about this because you keep talking about it. And also it was a real natural next step from writing my business book. What I realized was even if everyone has all the tools and the fancy laptop and, you know, all the technology, there's still one thing that stands in our way. And that is ourselves and our brains and the way we think. So when we're talking about creativity, I I needed to talk about sabotage because it was one of the top things we do. We get in our own way. We don't make the things we want to make. And For me personally, I realized that when things were going really well for me, that was when I wanted to mess my whole entire life up. And it's just such an interesting thing we do, how we can't accept fear for what it is. We have to just find any way to try and get away from it. So I wanted to dig into that a bit more. Mm, I like it. It reminded me of a quote, and I don't remember who said it, so we'll just attribute it to you, which is, uh, courage is not the absence of fear, but the presence of it and the ability to act in spite of it anyway. Yes. Which is one of the wisest things you've ever said. Well, I don't know if I said that. (laughs) Maybe I did. But I'm I'm claiming you did. Yeah, I'm claiming you did. It's probably Confucius or something, but hey. So we've all got a relationship with self-sabotage, obviously, Um, you know, a tendency to put barriers in the way of our progression and our happiness. So why do you think that is? Well, a quote that I did find really interesting, which inspired a whole chapter in Sabotage was from Brené Brown when she was talking on Super Soul Sunday, I think it was, about how the scariest emotion for human beings isn't actually death or fear or negativity or you know darkness it's actually our own joy we're petrified of being happy and I just found that really interesting and and you know sabotage is is a book about me interviewing psychologists and experts and therapists about what they know but at the heart of it I used to just be that person who would lie in bed at night fantasizing about all of the things that could go wrong, never once enjoying the things I had. And I just realized if I'm gonna have this career and have these moments that we all work really hard for and I'm not gonna enjoy them, what is the point? And so that led me on a bit of a journey really with self-sabotage and just wanting to dig into it properly and get to the bottom of it. So how does self-sabotage manifest itself? Well, 
I cover four different topics in the book. I know you've already done an episode on perfectionism. Procrastination is another one. The fear of any sort of self-promotion is another one. But for me, the one that I lived with and it seems like people really resonate with is the inner critic. So sabotaging your own success is it's so personal and internal. And I just found it so fascinating. You know, we're going through a global pandemic. There are so many things in this world that want to sabotage us. There are so many things that want to sabotage the progression of the world and the fact that we live in such an unequal society still. Like we, when we get out of bed, have a lot of things that want to ruin our day. So why do we ruin our own day? This is what I couldn't understand. I was like, the only thing we can control is our spin on the world. So that really fundamentally has to be where we start. Okay, well, how do you how do you challenge such behaviours? So, you know, you talk about this, like waking up in the morning and, and suddenly feeling like you need to sabotage yourself. What do you do to combat that? Well, this has, has led me now down this path of, you know, re- reading all of the self-help books, which, by the way, doesn't actually get you very far. <laughs> I find that, you know, we can all buy the the Buddhist monk's handbook, but does it actually help us in our daily life until we actually start living some of it? Not really. You just reminded me of like one of my most popular tweets ever, which took me a long time to figure out, but I think it's completely true, which is all self-help, and I love self-help books, by the way, and I read tons of them, but all self-help books basically have the same story, which is long-term, not short-term. It's really all they say. Yeah. And also a lot of them don't give you any answers because there is no one answer. This is why I, you know, I love self-help books too. And I've written technically too, but what I find interesting is it's up to us as the individual to find our own ways. And what I found really exhausting from the American market of having a book out in America is people do want three steps to success. They want three life hacks that will sort yourself out. I just don't really buy into that. But what I do buy into is starting really, really small, planting a very small seed and just working it out from there. And for me, it was just the really simple premise of realizing that you need to observe your own thoughts, starting there, just allowing a thought to come in, analyzing it from a bit of a third party sort of mind. Even talking to yourself in the third person can be really good. That really helps me. When I'm absolutely spiraling with a thought, I will literally be like, come on, Emma, like, don't do that. (laughs) You know, it sounds so ridiculous, but just being really objective with your own voice is a really good starting point. Yeah, and ultimately, most of the mindfulness and spiritual books will say exactly the same thing, which is you are not your thoughts. So observe them and have a conversation with them. I think that's a, I mean, I think that's a great tip. The other helpful thing for me was to realize where the thoughts were coming from, because sometimes they were internalized from other people, which is always a really weird one, because you realize that sometimes your negativity, it has actually come from somewhere. It's come from maybe a teacher who said you were rubbish at school, or it's come from a friend who said something really weird to you one day that you've remembered all these years later. And I think investigating where they come from, that's been really useful for me. And I use examples in the book, actually, of things that I've put off doing because of something someone had said to me years ago and then realizing so this is a really random example but um when I was about 18 there my my whole family would just make jokes that I couldn't drive and it turned into this thing of like Emma can't drive very well so I haven't driven a car for 15 years I didn't think I was very good at it 
And that hasn't ruined my life. That's fine. And I'm sure I can get in a car and try again one day. But for a lot of people, that could be writing or speaking or doing any sort of art like that. That makes me feel quite sad if you don't unpick where that came from. Mm. I mean, I really I mean, that I resonate, right? As in, well, words have power. And especially depending on who they come from, if they come from your family, very easy to believe the truth in them and just let them spiral and tell yourself that they are your reality. I know that you advocate a lot for the multi-hyphenate approach. I'm just interested how you sort of avoid the stigma of being a jack of all trades and getting burnt out for taking too much on. The multi-hyphen method is basically my sort of guidebook slash manifesto, I suppose, of living the multi-hyphenate life, which means doing more than one thing, not pigeonholing yourself, not being afraid to work a few different careers that maybe don't make sense to other people really it's my way of turning the jack of all trades myth on its head and when it when it came out people thought that I was like campaigning for this way of working for everyone which is absolutely not the case I I just was happy if I met 20 other people that were like me I thrive with having lots of different things going on I also think for my mental health having one job and going into one workplace was awful for me because the way that I work is just that I'm quite sort of scatty and I need like lots of things on the go. But also it took so much mental energy to put all my eggs in one basket. It just frightened me. And when it came out, people thought that it looked really risky to have multiple things going on. That, well, how, how do you survive if you don't have just one salary? And what we're seeing now in the pandemic is the people that have multiple income streams are the, are the ones that are kind of getting through this the easiest. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I, I massively vibe off that. I have always had multiple interests. And I think people, the most interesting thing about it is what it does for your identity, because just depending on where the first uh, point of interest someone found you on, um, whether it was a podcast or it's your newsletter or it's the company that you own or it's you know my cat's Instagram account, People have very different perceptions of what I actually do for my living. And I've always found that quite funny because I don't really see what the big deal is. Like, oh, like I, I like to do a bunch of different things. I don't know why it's so hard for you, but people just can't place that. They want you to be one thing that they can categorize quite fast. Otherwise, you don't really make sense. And that's why I wanted to write the book is because so many people don't live this lifestyle because they're A, frightened of what their parents will say or their grandparents will say, but also because of that, they feel like they won't have this strong identity when actually I find the opposite. I found that having one job title and one strong identity actually kind of crippled my creativity, actually. It made me really paralyzed by fear because I thought that was me. My, I didn't want my LinkedIn profiles just be kind of, yeah, one dimensional really. And I really like having lots of different things going on it just it allows me to not take it all too seriously as well which I really like okay so in the spirit and theme obviously of you know getting you outside your comfort zone doing the things you didn't really want to do for those annoying American uh, audiences but even I feel like some of us British ones will enjoy it too your top three tips to keep us from sabotaging ourselves yes definitely so a tip I would start off with is getting to know yourself quite well is a great place to start. So 
you don't have to be someone that kind of makes a pie chart or a graph of your behavior but i'm definitely someone that really likes to notice patterns and just my own behavior so every month you know just making sure that if you're having a great day or a not so great day just kind of mark it in your calendar and try and find these kind of patterns of, of you just moving through the world because i think it can help when you reflect and kind of think ah oh, i was sabotaging myself there it's just a good place to start i think the second one would be to just move location if you're finding that you're having some sort of repeat negative thoughts so it sounds simple but if i'm just sat at my desk and i'm kind of going through the motions of wanting to sabotage myself just getting up and going into another room going for a walk making a cup of tea just there's a time and a place for distraction basically so um move around the final tip i would say is be honest with yourself and with others which means saying no when you mean no and saying yes when you mean yes because one way of self-sabotaging yourself is basically going against the grain of what feels really natural and one of the worst things ever is when you agree to do something and then the day comes and you don't want to do it and actually you end up just self-sabotaging because you're wanting to get yourself out of it so i would just say yeah be really really honest with um the days and minutes of your life so that you're not i don't know looking too far into the future and then having to get yourself out of a pickle Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at your heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how healthy your brain is, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain health to get your free score from one to 100. See you next time. Hold up. 